Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, March 12th, 2023, we continue our series titled Knowing Jesus, the Gospel of Luke. Today's sermon, Faithful to the Lord, will be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager out of Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon. It says, in the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen that had been told them. So in other words, their lives are changed completely. They're praising God. They're telling every single person. They're declaring the glory of God. Here's the thing. Every single time you and I stop and open up God's word and you recognize who we are and who God is, you ought to praise. You've got the angel's reaction, which is praise. You've got the shepherd's reaction, which is praise. You've got Mary's reaction, which is this loving devotion, which translated praise. But there's one more. Yours. You've heard the story. The question is, what are you going to do with the king? We're pretty familiar with the birth of Christ, right? We saw that last week. In those days, a decree went out, right? That each should be registered in their own town. And and angels and glory of the Lord shone around them. And we're familiar with that story. It's a great story. Uh, And we're probably familiar with the story that happens next, the time that Mary and Joseph leave Jesus, the Son of God, uh, in a town like three towns away. Uh, We're probably familiar with that story. But the story we see today might be one we're a bit more unfamiliar with. Before we get into that, I want to ask you a question. Think back to uh, when you were a kid, or even think to right now. Who were some of your childhood idols? Who were your idols? And I, I know we're not supposed to have those, and it's bad. No other gods before me, no false gods. But who were those people you looked to, those people you wanted to be like? You got someone in your head? Okay, if you're not ashamed about it, share it to the person next to you. Otherwise, you can keep that to yourself this morning. I'll share mine with you. I grew up playing a lot of sports, so uh, my idols were typically athletes. Uh, Frank Thomas, great first baseman, and I wanted to, to be like him. Or Jeremy Roenick, incredible hockey player and also really good at fighting people and beating them up while on the ice. Uh, Brian Erlacher, total beast of a linebacker, right? All of these um, athletes were the people I wanted to be like, and I wanted to be like them because of their accomplishments, the thing they did in their life. I didn't know them personally. I didn't know what type of guy they were, uh, men of character or not. I really had no idea, but simply watching them on a television screen, I wanted to be like them and do the things they could do. I wanted to be able to hit someone like Brian Erlacher could hit someone. I wanted to be able to score like Ronick could score. I wanted to be like Mike. I mean, goodness, who didn't want to be like Mike? Everyone wanted to be like Michael Jordan. But now I look back on my life and I realize the people I've looked up to, it's not necessarily the people I idolized in my youth. Uh, It's more so these people we think about as role models, right? Not just the people who did great things so you want to be like them, but people based on who they were, you wanted to be like them. Uh, I think of two really important ones in my life. The first was a woman by the name of Jan. Uh, Jan was my sixth grade Bible teacher Uh, That's right, if I was giving you some Christian school kid vibes, you are correct. That is uh, part of my story. Uh, My Bible teacher, Jan, we'd show up for Bible class and she'd say, hey, we're gonna pray today. 
It's nothing new. We're going to pray before we hop into the lesson. No, we're just going to pray. And we'd sit there for like 45 minutes. Okay, and as a kid praying, 45 minutes is long. And you know what? As an adult praying, 45 minutes can still seem a little bit long. But I mean, we'd started down this path beginning of the school year and we'd show up and we'd just pray. And we just pray, and we just pray, and we just pray. And I found myself um, over the course of this semester just kind of leaning into this idea of um, seeking the Lord and praying and being with the Lord. And before long, I, it, was, it was comfortable to go 5, 10, 20, 30, 45 minutes. Learned a lot from her of just being faithful, of trusting the Lord and going to the Lord. Uh, another person I looked up to, a role model for me, was my football coach, Mike. Um, coach Mike is also with the Lord. He went home to be with the Lord just a couple weeks ago. Uh, And I have realized as an adult that Coach Mike used football as an excuse to disciple boys towards Jesus. Uh, While he was teaching us to play football, he was teaching us something far greater. He was teaching us who the Lord was and what it looked like for us to be faithful to him. Now, why do I say all of that? Because in the story we see today, we're going to see three characters that we see uh, them to be incredible examples of faith. Uh, And it's people we wouldn't normally turn to Uh, are probably some people we might not even know. When we think of faithful examples in the scriptures, you might think Hebrews chapter 11, right? It's called the hall of faith. That's like the hall of fame uh, for Christian believers in church history. And we see all the wonderful things these people did. So you might think of that as a place to go to see these wonderful examples of faith and walking with the Lord. But what we see today at the second half of Luke chapter two, verses 22 through 40, is three unlikely characters we probably wouldn't see Um, as incredible examples of faith for us. So that's where we're gonna go today. Three uh, incredibly faithful examples of what it looks like to follow the Lord, but at center stage of each of their life and center stage, of course, of our morning this morning uh, is going to be Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us, and then we'll hop into Luke chapter two, verses 22 through 40. God, thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that your mercies are new morning after morning, day after day. God, we're thankful for your faithfulness. You don't fail, you can't fail. God, when we're faithless, you remain faithful, God. uh, If I have friends this morning who are walking through a valley, would they be encouraged and reminded that you're with them, that you're faithful? And God, the friends who are celebrating and rejoicing on the mountaintop, would they too see that they're there because you're with them? Would they bring glory, honor, praise to you and no one else? God, help us see these examples this morning, these incredible examples of faith in God through their stories Would we be encouraged too to be faithful in our own life as we seek and follow our faithful God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Like I said, three examples of faith. We're gonna see what it looks like to be faithful unto the Lord. The first group of characters we're probably familiar with, you've probably heard them, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. Um, The second character is a man by the name of Simeon. You may be unfamiliar with Simeon. And the third character, which we're probably most unfamiliar with, is a woman by the name of Anna. Let's look at the first one first, Mary, Jesus, and Joseph. What we see from Mary and Joseph is that they submitted themselves to the Lord. This is how they showed themselves to be faithful. They submitted themselves to the Lord. You'll see in your notes and also in the text here, they're submitting to the law of the Lord. It's uh, it's repeated three times, law of Moses, law of the Lord, law of the Lord. At the end of our passage today, we see also law of the Lord. It's not just the book they were committed to, it's the author of the book. It's the one who said it, it's the one who spoke it. It's the one who wrote it. Uh, They were faithful to the Lord himself. Verse 22, it begins like this. 
And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Here's what we see from Mary and Joseph. They're submitting themselves to the Lord by doing everything by the book. Okay, by this book. They're going to do the things that God has called them to do because they are seeking to follow God. It says that they go to Jerusalem for purification rites. If you were to read um, Leviticus chapter 12, you'd see this whole thing where you'd have to travel and go present yourself and offer sacrifices for your new child. Or you'd see Exodus 13, the first child, the first male born would be called holy unto the Lord. So they're going to do everything exactly by the book. Now, this is narrative. We talked about this in the beginning of Luke. These are really great stories. Uh, and while it's people uh, living out this life of faith, the things that they do are not necessarily exactly things that we are meant to do or have to do. Okay, we are on this side of the cross. We are new covenant believers trusting in the blood of Christ as his sacrifice for our salvation. People on the other side of the cross were looking towards that sacrifice and throughout that time offering sacrifices the way that God had told them. Um, So starting next week, we're not gonna start offering turtle doves and pigeons every time we have new children. That's not the point. Uh, Something you could say is similar, we do... Um, child dedications, right, where people come into the church and present their children before the church, present their children before the Lord and express their intent and desire to raise their child uh, in, in the way they should go, raise their child the way that God would have us. So while we don't necessarily need to look at exactly what Mary and Joseph did, we can learn from their example and see just how they were faithful to the Lord by being faithful to the law of the Lord, so too you and I can be faithful to the Lord by being faithful to the things he's written down in this book. That's the first example we see, Mary and Joseph, and how they submitted themselves to the Lord. The second example we see is a man by the name of Simeon. And what we see from Simeon is that Simeon served the Lord. Simeon served the Lord, specifically he served the Lord in the temple. We'll see just how. Beginning in verse 25, it says this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. Let's stop for one sec, because if we were to fast forward to Romans chapter three, we'd see no one's righteous, no, not one, no one does good, no one seeks God, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're not righteous. Okay, so while he might not be righteous in the eyes of God, according to Romans three, he's righteous in the eyes of men. You could say that Simeon was just a good dude. He was kind, he was courteous, he was respectful, and the way he treated others and his conduct towards other people, he was a righteous guy. He's just a good guy who works in the temple of the Lord. It also says he's devout. Think of this as being careful and committed in the calling God's given him. So God gave him a job in the temple. He was committed to doing that job in the temple. He's a faithful guy. He's faithful in the way he treats God's people, and he's faithful in the job that God's given him to do. It says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. What's the consolation of Israel? If you were to rewind to Isaiah 40 or Isaiah 49, you'd see these promises being made that someday there would be a king. This was the hope they looked for, a king who would come and rescue them, a king who would come and lead them. And these people, their hope, their idea was that, man, we'd have a Messiah come and he would be a king with a crown on a horse with a sword and he'd have a kingdom and he would rule. That's what they're looking for. Someone who'd come on a horse with a sword and a crown. The picture we just got in the beginning of Luke chapter two is radically different. Instead of a horse, we have Jesus being born and placed in a trough, 
a manger. Now, I'm, I don't, I'm not a farmer. You probably look at me and figure that out real quick. The boots, it's just because I'm a poser. I like boots. Not, a, not the real deal. Uh, but, but I learned this from a friend last week who is a farmer who does raise animals. Uh, he said a trough is pretty disgusting. Uh, it's not the, like the trough, the manger we think at Christmas time that takes center stage that's like perfect carpentry and clean hay and it looks beautiful and it's cute and it's ornate and it's a wonderful stage prop. Um, this would have been uh, way more disgusting. Uh, inside of this trough, there's probably like just bugs kind of milling around and uh, there's probably a bunch of slop of just stuff that's half chewed, that's fallen out, all the slobber, all the gross. It's almost as if God looked down and said, what's the most humble way I can deliver a king? What's the most humble way we can do this? We, yeah, we could send Jesus on a horse with a crown and a sword. Actually, if you look forward, Revelation, that's what happens. He is coming back with a horse and a sword and a crown. But his first appearance, the incarnation, when God sends his son into the world, it's the most humble picture that we could see. Now, this was the person people were waiting for. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was looking forward to this promise that God had made of someone would come. Someone would set us free. Someone would rule. Someone would be our king. Verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. In other words, God revealed to him, and we don't know how. We don't know if this was a vision or a dream or a prophet came by or handwriting on the wall or, or how it went down, but he learned that he would not taste death, he wouldn't die until he saw the fulfillment of this hope of Israel of Israel's consolation, that he would see the Lord's Christ. He would see the Messiah. So day after day after day after day, he'd go into the temple doing the work, being faithful to do what God called him to do, trusting in this promise that someday he would see the Lord's Christ. He would see this hope. He would see this Messiah. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents, this is Mary and Joseph presenting Jesus, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, there you go again, Mary and Joseph, faithful to the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God, and he said this. So here's the scene, right? You have Simeon serving in the temple day after day, looking forward, this hope of Israel, the consolation of Israel, knowing a king was coming, uh, and day after day, waiting in the temple, knowing that God's made this promise, someday you will see the Lord's Christ. Someday you will see salvation. Someday you will see this Messiah. Mary and Joseph walk in at the same time, Simeon being led in the spirit into the temple. He holds Jesus for the rites of these purification, these sacrifices that were to be made. And here's what he says. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Lord, you promised I wouldn't taste death until, I say, until I've seen salvation, and now you've done it. You've done the thing you'd said you're gonna do. You've fulfilled your promise. I have seen the Lord's Christ. Now, it's interesting. It says you can, you, you're letting your servant depart in peace. He's either saying one of two things. One, uh, much like Paul said to live as Christ, to die as great gain, that's, that's the sentiment he's expressing is, man, I can die now. I can be done. This is the work you've called me to do. Lord, I've completed it. Man, I can come home now. Or it's the sentiment of, you just can't get it better than this. Right? It, a, a poor analogy would be like playing golf on the golf course. You hit the best shot of your life, and you're like, well, we're done. Can't get any better than that. Why keep playing? That's where he's at. Man, I've, I've seen him. 
I've seen the story come, come true. God has delivered what he said he would. Why is he so excited? Verse 30, he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Man, I love that. My eyes have seen your salvation. We're gonna come back to this towards the end and see that salvation isn't a what? Salvation is a who. That salvation's found in the person of Jesus. My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Get this, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the light of the world. Anyone who walks in light won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is what Christ has come. He's come to illuminate our life, light up our life so we can walk with him, live with him the way he's meant us to. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. There's our first people group category. And for glory to your people, Israel. Now we might read this and be like, yeah, that's cool. Like God's the light of the world and glory for everyone, right? Um, but culturally back in the day, see, God had his chosen people. It was the Israelites. So the thought was God would come and redeem his chosen people. That God would come, the hope of Israel, or later on we see the redemption of Jerusalem. It was all geared towards who they thought were only God's chosen people. God's gonna speak to the Jews and that's it. But now Simeon, he's opening up something entirely new. No, he's a light to the Gentiles. Those that the Jews consider dirty, outside of the faith, unworthy. He's gonna be a light for those people and of course he'll also be a hope for the Jews. Take your Bible real quick. I want to flesh this out a little bit more. Take your Bible, go to the right. We're going to go to Acts chapter 11. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, specifically chapter 11. If you've been tagging along with us in our uh, daily reading plan that we've put out this year, it's called Get in the Word. Uh, if you haven't, I'd invite you to join us. It's just a daily uh, daily scripture reading delivered to either your inbox or delivered to your phone via text, Monday through Friday. Um, if you're anything like me, it's typically this time of year, those New Year's resolutions I made. Um, I've realized I've already forgotten what they were, right? I'm never gonna eat a cupcake again, and yesterday I think I ate four. <laughs> that kind of thing, right? So now you're thinking like, yeah, better luck next year. We'll get back on next year. No, let's not do it that way. Okay, if you set out at the beginning of this year, man, this year I'm gonna get in the word. I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm gonna do this whole spiritual discipline thing. And maybe, you know, it's March and you're feeling like, ah, I've kind of fallen off that horse. Better luck next year. No, 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 let me encourage you. Get back in. Get back in the word. Pick up, where, right, pick up right where we're at. Um, if you're not signed up, you can sign up. There should be a slide on the screen uh, or you'll see those on the, the screens in the lobby or you can go to Info Central and say, hey, I wanna get in the word. Uh, and they'll help you sign up there. Acts chapter 11. This was in our Get in the Word reading from last week. We're currently closing out the book of Acts in our daily reading plan. It says this, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Wait a minute. It's the Jews who received the word of God, right? It's the Jews who are God's chosen people. It's the Israelites. If he's gonna speak to someone, he's gonna speak to his people. If he's gonna use someone, he's gonna use his people. If he's gonna redeem, deliver, reveal anything to someone, he's gonna do that to his people. But now God's people start hearing, well, wait a minute. Other groups of people are starting to hear this. Other people are receiving the word of God. Other people are coming to faith in Jesus. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying this, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Okay, in other words, you went with outsiders. You went and hung out with people that we, that we see as like unfit to follow Jesus. You went and hung out with people who I think are unsavable. You went out to be with people who are sinners. You surrounded yourself with those kinds of people. 
Which, when you think about it, that sounds a lot like Jesus. Isn't that what Jesus did? He was often ridiculed for eating, for hosting sinners and tax collectors at his table. Jesus said things like, oh, FYI, I didn't come to save the righteous, I came for the sinners. It's not the healthy who are in need of a physician, it's the sick. So God's doing something new, and, and Simeon even reveals this. Fast forward to verse 18 in chapter 11. When they heard these things, they fell silent because the apostles are telling them, no, God's doing something amazing. That same Holy Spirit that was poured out on us, that same Holy Spirit who lives inside of us is now living inside of Gentiles. And their minds are just completely blown. When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Here's what Simeon's revealing to Mary and Joseph. Your son is a light to the world. Okay, not just God's chosen people, not just the Jews. There's a place for everyone in the kingdom of heaven. There's a place for everyone, all walks of life, to sit at the table with Jesus. Verse 33, and his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold. Now behold is not like a, hey, real quick, little side note. Um, Behold is listen to me, this is important. Listen to me, this is important. Behold, this child Jesus is appointed, he lists four things. This child Jesus is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, for a sign that is opposed, and a sword that will pierce your own soul also, so that the hearts from many... The thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Let's talk about the first two. He's appointed for the fall and the rising of many. Um, If you were to look through the New Testament, you see that Jesus is oftentimes referred to as a stone. In 1 Peter 2, he's referred to as a stumbling stone. A stumbling stone. In Ephesians chapter 2, you see Christ referred to as a cornerstone. Well, how is he two different kinds of stones? Well, for some, they'll encounter Jesus and they just keep tripping over him. He's a stumbling stone. Nothing ever comes of it. It's just, yeah, I get it. That, yeah, I know, I've heard this whole Jesus. They stumble, they stumble, they, they, every time. But for some, it's not just the fall, it's the rising. He becomes the cornerstone of their life. Now, um, if you ever built something or seen a foundation built, um, back in the day when they did foundations, they had something called the cornerstone. The cornerstone was the biggest, most important stone in a building project. It would be the plumb line for everything, and it would support the rest of the foundation. This is why we sing songs like Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand, because for those of us who've placed our faith, our trust, our hope in Christ, he's the one we constantly stand on. Okay, we'll encounter trials of various kinds over the course of our life, and unless we are firmly rooted on that foundation, man, we fall, we fall, we fall. We fall. So he's, uh, he's, he's the fall and the rising of many. A sign that is opposed. This is speaking to the opposition Christ will face over the course of his ministry. Um, you could say this is the first glimpse of the cross we get in the Gospel of Luke. Okay, there's going to be the fall, but also the rising of many. But along the way, he'll be opposed. He'll be opposed. The fourth thing, he says, it's a sword that will pierce through your own soul also. Speaking to Jesus' mom, Mary. Because of your child being opposed by many, you too will face the pain of seeing what happens to your child. That's Simeon. Simeon serves within the temple. He's faithful to the role that God called him to. Third example is a woman named Anna. Anna spoke of the Lord. You could also say Anna sang to the Lord or Anna spoke to the Lord. Another great example. And honestly, like we, we're, we're probably not real familiar with her. 
right? Who are your Bible heroes? I don't know if anyone's saying, oh, Anna, she's the one. She's the one. Well, let's get into it. She, she, might, she might be. She's an amazing woman. Verse 36, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phenuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years. She's old. Having, now, get, get this. This is a little wonky to try to figure out how old this woman is here. Having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. Um, so either she was with her husband and then he died seven years later and up to this date she's now 84 years old um, or, or the way it all works out, she could maybe be 104 years old. Big idea, Anna is an old woman, 84 to 104 Yet this is the role that God's given her. She's a worshiper in the temple. Verse 37, it says, she did not depart from the temple. She never left the temple. Now this is either hyperbole, right? If you are super involved, like you're a super Christian and you go to every Christian thing you possibly can, um, your friends might tell you, man, you, you, like, you like live at that church, don't you? You are always there. That could be said of Anna. Like maybe she was there so frequently that's what people thought of her. Like she must live there. She is always there. Maybe it's hyperbole or maybe there was some way and we're not sure she actually lived in the temple. Either way, she was always there. She did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Verse 38, and coming up at that very hour, so let's revisit our scene going on here. Mary and Joseph enter the temple, present Jesus to Simeon. And at that very hour, it says Anna comes into the temple and watches this whole story take place. She sees Simeon talking about this child. My eyes have seen your salvation. He'll be a light to the Gentiles and glory to the Israelites. He'll be a sign. He'll be the fall of some, the rising of many, um, a sign that is opposed and a sword that will pierce your soul also. She sees all of it. She sees all of it. She encounters Jesus in the temple. At that, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God. She worshiped him. And check this out. I give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Israel. That's that whole, the redemption of Jerusalem. It's the, you can, it's, it's the same way of saying the uh, consolation of Israel. She went out and shared Jesus with everyone who needed hope. Everyone who was looking to hope in something. She went out and just spoke of him. We're gonna come back to that shortly. Let's close out the story. Verse 39. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. A pretty cool story. Pretty cool story with some incredible characters maybe we haven't heard of before. Uh, each of them just wonderful examples of faith. We see Mary and Joseph submitting to the Lord by following his law. We see Simeon serving the Lord. And we see Anna ultimately speaking of the Lord because of who she found him to be. Now let's take their example uh, and, and be encouraged by that. I wanna give us three things uh, we can be encouraged with this morning or maybe apply those things to our life. In the same way that each of them were faithful, let us be faithful to what God has called us to. Let us be faithful to what God has called us to. And I don't know what that means for you. Uh, that might be faithful in a work thing, like you got something hard going on and you feel the Lord has, has called you to do this, but now you've got some roadblocks, some barriers. 
or the job you thought God had called for you is, uh, is being stripped away and you're trying to be faithful to that. Maybe it's a relationship thing. Things just aren't going so well. But you know what God has called you to be faithful to. He's called you to be faithful to your spouse. Maybe it's a parenting thing, like your kid's just being a real pain and you'd rather just give up and be like, we're over this. Um, that's not what God's called you to. He called us to be faithful towards our kids. Maybe it's in our own relationship to be faithful to the Lord. Maybe this morning means to come to faith in the Lord. Maybe to be faithful to the Lord means to serve him in some capacity within the church. All of us are called to be faithful to him, to do the work that God has called us to. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, yeah, I'm t- I, that sounds great, but I'm too young. I'm too young. Or maybe the opposite. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, but I'm too old. Let me share one of my favorite scriptures with you. First Timothy chapter four, verse 12, up on the screen, it says this. Let no one despise you for your youth. Uh, growing up, I learned this NIV. Let no one look down on you. Don't let anyone look down on you because of your age. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. No one's too young to be used by the Lord. No one. And no one's too old to be used by the Lord. So maybe you're here this morning, you're like a first quarter Christian, pretty new in this whole thing. Maybe you're a fourth quarter Christian. Okay, Anna was potentially 104 years old, fully committed to doing the work that God called her to. Sure, there were people in her life who said, you're too old. You're too old for this. Mary, Jesus' mom, might have been 14. Too young? No one's too young. No one's too old. Let's be faithful to the work that God has called us to. Um, Let me encourage you one more area to be faithful to. We feel uh, church leadership is feeling like the Lord is calling us to be faithful in prayer. Just prayer. If you've been watching the news or reading Christian articles or on Facebook, there's been this whole thing in the last month that broke out called the Asbury Revival. It was essentially a chapel service that never stopped. People couldn't leave, not because they like locked the doors on them. Um, they couldn't leave because they didn't want to. And this thing grew and grew and grew and grew, and for 24 hours, they've just been having chapel service. Seems like God might be doing something. We want to pray for that, that whatever that something is God is doing, that we'd continue seeing that. So we want to pray for revival in our country. We want to see people come back to Jesus, the real Jesus, the real Jesus, the one that's in this book, the one that we preach every Sunday. Not the Jesus we'd hope him to be like, but the Jesus he actually is. We want to pray that there would be a a revival in our country, that more and more people would begin following Jesus all over our country. And what's pretty neat is that we hear, are hearing stories of um, not just revival in outside of the country, but even hearing some cool things about here. Uh, I talked to one of my college pastors I did InterVarsity with, and he said, um, over at ASU, we're seeing a growing number of people come to faith. God's just stirring in people's hearts. For the first time, for whatever reason, they're seeing salvation in Christ and in Christ alone. We want to pray for, our, pray for the valley. We want to pray for uh, all the churches here that are preaching the gospel, that God would bless them, that God would bless their leadership teams, that God would keep them safe, that God would use them in mighty ways as they preach the gospel, that many would come to faith. Why would you do that? Isn't this a competition thing? No, it's not. It's not. 
We're all serving King Jesus, and King Jesus has one church. Not a thousand of them, not a million of them. King Jesus has one church. He has one kingdom, and that's the kingdom we want to see grow. We want to see it happen here in the valley. Something amazing will happen. Someone will come here to Highlands Church and, and hear us preach the gospel and give people an opportunity to respond, and they'll say, cool story, bro, and they'll leave. And then they'll show up at Illuminate, and my friend Jason will preach the same message, and they won't say, yeah, cool story, bro. They'll respond in faith and give their life to Jesus. I mean, I want to pray God uses that place and blesses that man as he shares the gospel. Someone might come here, then go to Illuminate and say the same thing. Hey, cool story, bro. Let's try a different one. Lands at SBC. Jamie's preaching. Same gospel, preaching Jesus. And for whatever reason, that's the day. That's the moment that person comes to Christ. We want to see God use his church all over the valley, especially leading up to Easter. And because we serve here, 85255, living right here at 9050 East Pinnacle Peak, because this is our family's house of worship, we want to see God use this place as well and God use these people as well. We want to see people come to faith in Jesus. So here's what we're doing as we feel called to pray. Um, we're going to open up a prayer room on campus for the next month leading into Easter. Um, for some of you, that might be a totally new thing. What's a prayer room? For other of you, you've been like, I've been praying we'd have a prayer room. Well, the answer to your prayers, right? Um, if, it's it's going to be exciting. Yeah, there you go. There's your prayer, people. It's going to be cool. Um, here's what we're doing. Uh, we're opening the Rock House. And the Rock House is located in the Children's Building. The Children's Building is the one that has a playground. Okay, that's right over here. It's the west side of our campus. Um, and our prayer room is going to be open Monday through Thursday from 9 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Uh, and we know that may work for some of you. It may not work for others. It might need to be a lunch hour thing or whatever it is. That's totally fine. Um, and if you can't get up here, that's fine too. It's not like God hears you louder in a prayer room. That's not how it works. Um, but just like Jesus often withdrew to desolate places to pray, um, we want to open up a place that's distraction-free. Um, not that we're considered a desolate place, but it's just a quiet still place for you to go seek the Lord and pray for those things that we talked about. Again, Monday through Thursday, 9 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Thursday evening before our Thursday night service, we'll do a guided prayer time from 5.30 to 6.30. That'll meet right out in the amphitheater by the baptismal. Um, that might involve worship. It might involve a prayer walk. It might involve praying with one another and for one another. We're not totally sure. All we know is that it seems like God is doing something in our country. It seems like God is doing something in the valley. And it seems like God is doing something at our church. And we want to be faithful with it. So I'd invite you to, to pray with us as this whole thing happens. Yeah, glory to God, right? Let's be faithful to what God has called us. Second thing, second encouragement is this. Let's speak of him. Let's speak of him. This is what Anna did. Anna essentially came into church, encountered Jesus, left church, and spoke of him to whoever needed hope. Let's do the same. Let's come into this place as frequent as we do, encounter the Lord, hear the word of the Lord, pray to the Lord, worship the Lord. And then when we leave, would we not like leave Jesus here? I know that's, that's not how it works. Holy Spirit's living inside you. You can't be like, you stay. That's not how it works. Um, but all too often, that's what we do. We come in this place, get encouraged, get motivated. Uh, we get revved up to go preach the gospel, but then we leave him here. Let's not do that. When we leave today, let's go out into the world, into our workplace, into our community, into our home, into our gym, country club, restaurant, wherever God has you, and be faithful and speak of him.
To who? The ones who are cleaned up and look like they'll respond? No, to all nations, to everyone. This is what Jesus said, Matthew 28, go into all nations and make disciples. Make disciples of all nations, all people, all backgrounds, all upbringings, every race, every creed, every color, every everything. Open your mouth and speak of him. Tell people who he is, what he's done in your life. Speak of who you know Jesus to be and see what might come of it. Our world needs hope. Would we speak of him? Third encouragement I want to give some of you this morning, I want to encourage you to see salvation in Jesus Christ for the first time in your life. This is what Simeon did in verse 30. Holding Jesus, he said, I have seen salvation. I have seen the Lord. I have seen Jesus. That's where salvation's found. Salvation isn't found in our works. That's what Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine say. By grace we've been saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of our own doing, so any of us can boast. That's how we're saved, by grace through faith in Christ and Christ alone. It's not our actions. Okay, it's, it's not like, maybe you're in this place this morning and you're thinking, you know, I, Jesus sounds great, I gotta clean up my act first. No, you don't. Come to Jesus. He'll clean up your act if that's what he wants to do. If Jesus has seen what I've done, if Jesus has seen what's been done to me, he wouldn't want me. Let me tell you, he's seen it all. He wants you, loves you, knows you, cares for you, died to save you. Would you see salvation in Christ and in Christ alone this morning? We talk about this thing called the gospel a lot in the church. We try to preach the gospel every single weekend to give people an opportunity to respond. Uh, and the gospel is simply this. You and I have a problem. I hate to break that to you, but we got a problem. It's called sin. Well, I don't have sin. We all do. The Bible says if anyone says he's without sin, he lies and the truth is not in them. And if we search our own hearts this morning, we, we can see pretty clearly, yeah, there's sin in my life. What is sin? Here's sin. God says, don't do this. And you say, I kind of want to though, so I will. God says, don't do that. Do this instead. And you say, I don't really want to do that. I want to live my life this way. We break his law. We break his rules. We have sin in our life. The gospel is this. God has seen that sin and did something about it. Romans 5, chapter 8 says, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While you and I were still sinners, before we had a chance to clean up our act, and make ourselves more presentable before the Lord, while we were still in sin, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't live, making him a perfect sacrifice. He died the death that you and I deserve to die to pay the penalty for our sins. That's what the scriptures say. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He died that death that you and I deserve to die. The scriptures say he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, defeating death, that if you and I would place our faith, our hope, our trust in Christ and in Christ alone, we would be saved. Friends, let me encourage you, if that's you this morning, would you see salvation in Christ? Would you stop trusting in your own works? Would you stop trusting in your own words? Would you trust in the works of Christ, what he's done for you? The Bible says if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we can be saved. My, that's my prayer for some of you this morning, that you'd see him as Lord. You'd see him as salvation, and in doing so, you'd be saved. And if that's you this morning, maybe you find yourself praying that even in the quiet of your own heart, let me encourage you to talk to somebody. 
tell somebody. I'll be milling around, hanging out up here. You can tell me if you want. You don't have to. I just want to help you follow Jesus. Maybe a friend brought you to church today. They brought you to church today because they want to help you follow Jesus. You can tell them. You don't have to, but you could if you wanted to. You could text us, Highlands to 94,000. You can tell us that way. We just want to help you follow Jesus. We've got Info Central out in the lobby. You could go talk to them. You don't have to, but you can. They just want to help you follow Jesus. We have a new team in the back, our Follow Jesus team. Can you guys wave at us? At Christine and Evan back there. They would love to talk to you about following Jesus and help you follow Jesus. That's all we want. We want people to follow him. Friends, we have great examples of faith in this passage. So too would you and I be faithful to what Christ has called us. When we leave this place this morning, would we not leave Jesus here, bring him with, would we speak of him so that people out there who need hope, that they too would see salvation in Christ. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for your son. God, thank you for tremendous examples of faith. Would we learn from those and find ourselves faithful this morning as well? God, we are grateful that when we're faithless, you are faithful. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You never let us down. You won't and you can. God, this morning, help us be found faithful. God, would you give us eyes to see the plan you have for our life and would we stick to it? God, when we leave this place today, would you give us boldness and confidence and courage and opportunities to speak of you? And God, when those opportunities come, we just pray that they would be so incredibly crystal clear that we see the opportunities, that we take the opportunities and see what you do with them as we choose to speak of you. God, and for those this morning who Maybe the gospel is new. Jesus is new. Lord, I pray that you would continue just impressing that on their hearts. You'd open their eyes to see you, their ears to hear you, their minds to know you, their hearts to love you. And God, give them the courage. Open their mouth to talk to somebody so we can help them follow you, help them walk with you. God, we love you. Everything we do, everything we say, everything we sing is all for your glory and your glory alone. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Just stand and join us as we praise God for what he's done. Man, that's our heart's desire this morning is to praise God for what he's done. What has he done? God sent his son to live the perfect life you and I couldn't live. He died a death you and I deserve to die. The scriptures say he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, defeating death, that if you and I place our faith, our hope, our trust in Christ and Christ alone, that you and I can truly live. If you find yourself in a place this morning trusting that for the first time, believing that for the first time, or maybe coming back to that for the first time in a while, let me encourage you, don't leave without talking to someone that want to help you follow Jesus. Talk to our team in the back. Talk to a friend who brought you. Talk to the team down here. Talk to somebody that can help you follow Jesus. Friends, let us be found faithful this week. Just as our God is faithful to us, let us be found faithful to him. Let us speak of him with the opportunities that come up that others may see salvation through our life and see salvation in Christ and in Christ alone. We love you guys. Love each other. Be faithful. Bye-bye.